You seek the key, but first you must learn the ways of precision, craft, and performance with Acura's all-electric ZDX. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system, up to a 313-mile range and a Type S variant, with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is their most powerful SUV yet. Unlock the energy when you visit Acura.com to order yours today. Discover why critics are calling Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes the best film of the franchise. What a wonderful day! It's a jaw-dropping spectacle that demands to be seen on the biggest screen possible. I need to go. Hang on. It is our time. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Now playing only in theaters. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. This isn't your average business podcast, and he's not your average host. This is the James Altucher Show. Today on the James Altucher Show. So I write a newsletter to thousands and thousands of readers who are interested in crypto. And obviously, the crypto markets have been really going haywire, of course, for a few months now. But the, the craziness is heightened. And I wanted to make a video for my readers to kind of not necessarily calm them down, but let them know what I think is happening based on all the other fund managers that I speak to and crypto people and just all the research I've done. So I did such a video with the group that publishes my newsletter and I asked, hey, can I put this on my podcast? And they said, sure. So what you're about to hear is me talking to the publisher of this newsletter and giving him my inputs on crypto and what's been going on. And that was sent out to my readers, but I'm also sending it out to all you guys. So I hope you enjoy. Okay, uh, welcome everyone. Thank you for joining us at today's emergency crypto briefing. My name's Doug Hill, and I'm here with none other than the man that needs no introduction, James Altucher. James, how are you doing, sir? Doing well, but you know, like everyone else, I don't like to see the world in a state of fear. And and of course, when when it's not like one stock is up and one stock is down, one crypto is up and one crypto is down, and you could explain everything one by one, it's everything is down. And you kind of have to say, why is the entire world scared? And that's when you have to dig and ask these questions and remind yourself of the, the basic fundamentals of why we invest in the things we do, why we do the things we do, and, and so on. Yeah, and I think, you know, you wake up any day this week and you're going to see one of two things, markets down big, crypto markets going haywire. And what we're going to do here today with James, and we're glad you're all here to watch this with us, is we're going to try and explain what's really happening in the crypto markets. James is going to probably talk about the economy and what's happening in the stock markets as well, but we're going to focus primarily on the crypto markets so you can get the information you need to make good investment decisions for yourself. Um, just a minor disclaimer here, nothing that we say on this call should be taken as personalized investment advice. We're just we're talking about the markets. Uh, if you're here, it's because you're interested in crypto and you're interested in what's happening um, in the crypto market. So that's what we're going to try and address today. So, James, 
there are three things that I want to discuss. And the first, uh, the first is what's happening with Coinbase. There's a lot of rumors going around about the SEC documents and 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 questions about uh, bankruptcy and that sort of thing. So can you just kind of explain what's going on and, and what's behind all this? Sure. And obviously the bigger issue is is crypto in general and, and the markets in general. But Coinbase specifically is, this is an upsetting thing to me because if you look at the headlines, you know, they say that, oh no, Coinbase discusses bankruptcy and their SEC filings. And those headlines are so ridiculous and misleading. And I'm pretty sure the journalists know that they're misleading, but this is what gets page views. So let me explain exactly what's happening. And then people could decide for themselves. So the SEC made a new rule as of a month ago, April 11th, 2022 is when I believe this rule is called SAB 121. doesn't matter, but it went into effect April of 2022, April 11th, last month, one month ago. And the rule says any company at all, that's a public company, when they file their earnings report, they have to say, hey, if we own crypto assets or if we trade and or help people trade in crypto assets, then this is just a reminder that normal bankruptcy rules apply to those crypto assets. That's essentially what the rule says. Has nothing to do with Coinbase. It has to do with every 100% of companies out there that are public that do anything at all with crypto assets have to include this disclosure statement. And so Coinbase, just by law, because they happen to trade in crypto assets, you know, or they help, rather they help customers trade in crypto assets, they had to, by new law, make this statement. It has nothing to do with Coinbase's financial health at all. By the way, is Coinbase financially healthy? I mean, in their statement, they said they lost about $400 million. Well, Coinbase has $6 billion in cash. And so here's, here's the thing. Well, people might ask, well, look at 2008. How did Lehman Brothers go bankrupt? How did Bear Stearns go bankrupt? You know, all these banks were in trouble. All of those investment banks, are. there are two types of brokerage firms. And Coinbase is essentially a brokerage. They take customer money. The customers say, I want to buy Bitcoin. And Coinbase buys Bitcoin for them. That's just like, uh, 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 you know, Chase, you put money in Chase, you say, I want to buy Apple stock and Chase buys the Apple stock for you. So there's two types of brokerage firms. There's, let's call them the Lehman Brothers style and the Fidelity style. And I'm going to be very, you know, simplified here, but the, the Lehman Brothers was a brokerage firm, but it was very secretly or not so secretly a hedge fund using 101 leverage to invest customer money in stocks and bonds and derivatives and so on. And they made some bad bets and they went bankrupt. So that's one style of brokerage firm. Then you look at like the fidelities of the world. Fidelity takes your money, says, oh, what do you want to do with this money? Oh, I'd like to buy Apple stock. No problem. Fidelity buys the Apple stock for you, puts the Apple stock in your account, and they take a fee. And that's how Fidelity makes money. They don't take any risks with your dollars. They just do what you ask them to do and they take a small fee for it, and that's how they make their money. Coinbase is in the fidelity category. They don't speculate on derivatives. They don't buy crypto for their own accounts. They don't take on leverage with your money. 
They just simply, you put money in Coinbase. Oh, I'd like to buy some Bitcoin, sir. They buy Bitcoin for you and they take a fee. Now, Coinbase does have growth strategies. They want to build better and easier ways for you to buy and sell Bitcoin, but that doesn't cost that much money. They, they want to build apps for you to accept Bitcoin and crypto at your store potentially. So they have very, they want to, they want to build tools to make the, the ecosystem of Bitcoin and crypto better, but they don't take risks on your money. They don't leverage up your money and buy derivatives on Bitcoin. So with $6 billion in cash and, you know, every other quarter they've earned money, this quarter they've lost money, they still would have to lose money for many, many quarters in a row for years and years and years before they're even in remotely in trouble. $6 billion in cash is a lot of cash, but everyone's going crazy. Coinbase makes bankruptcy disclosure in SEC filing. All of these articles, and I'm reading them on every single site, I won't call out any site in particular, all of these articles failed to mention this was a forced disclosure by any company because of a recent SEC uh, ruling. And it, all it says, again, just a reminder, all it says is if you trade in crypto assets for your customers, you simply have to disclose that bankruptcy laws apply to crypto assets. Has nothing to do with Coinbase. Coinbase has nothing to do with bankruptcy. You'll see this in any other company that buys and sells crypto assets, this exact same disclosure. It was not intended for companies that are in trouble. It's intended for all companies. Coinbase is not in any trouble at all. Your, your wallets are safe there. Your, your uh, trading is safe there. It's, it's one of the most trustworthy brokerages out there for stocks or crypto. So I don't own Coinbase, but quite frankly, I was looking at it pretty heavily this morning to consider buying it um, as opposed to potentially recommending it down the road for our, our readers. But, you know, I, this is just a conversation. We're doing none of those. But Coinbase is, is not at, at risk at all right now. Yeah, that's a really, uh, thanks for that update, James, because that, uh, you know, when markets are down, people like to get, you know, people are more likely to click on a negative headline, right? And it's identify- so frustrating to me, like in order, and, and then you have to do your own research. And I'm sorry to interrupt, Doug, but it, it's a frustrating thing. Like the journalists, I'm sure did their research, the same research I did, which is that I read the SEC ruling. It's SAB 121. And again, effective as of a month ago, and you could read it. I, I, I don't want to bore anyone with reading the exact language, but you'll see when you read it, it has nothing to do with a company going bankrupt or, by the way, there was many disclosures made. The fact that crypto assets have to follow bankruptcy rules is just one disclosure, but it's all in these forced disclosures for companies like Coinbase. It has nothing to do with Coinbase's financial health. All right. Thank you for that. Yeah. I had Sorry two, for the interruption. That's okay. I had two people in my family yesterday text me about this because I know you, right? I work with you. And they're like, what, what's going on with, with Coinbase? And so the, there is a lot of fear around it, a lot of misunderstanding. People are like, are they going bankrupt? Am I going to lose my coins? And it's like, that. I mean, that's how, and I don't usually get those types of, of calls and texts and stuff. So it's a, you know, it's a very big deal. Uh, from sure. a news point and getting that cleared up. I really appreciate you look, doing that. Look, look I, I will say Kathy Wood, who likes to make, she's an investor, the, the manager of ARK Investments. She, she obviously does her research. She she like, she like doesn't want to, you know, 
flush her money down the toilet. She just bought another $3 million worth of Coinbase stock. Uh, Coinbase was as low as $40 this morning. Now it's about $56 and it's up on the day. You know, it has a high of $368. So, you know, Kathy Wood did her research as well, I'm assuming. And that's why she bought $3 million worth of Coinbase stock this morning. Yeah. Well, you uh, going back to Coinbase real quick, uh, regarding wallets, one of the services you provide an early stage crypto investor is um, what to do with your coins once you buy them. And you and Chris Campbell have been um, very um, overtly, adamantly recommending people to get a hardware wallet, get some sort of self-custody wallet where you could put coins so that if something were to happen, I'm not saying it would to Coinbase, they look sound like they're in pretty good financial position. Uh, but uh, it's one of the things you recommend, right? You recommend, you know, wallet storage. Hard, uh, hard, yeah, uh, yeah, I would say I would say not necessarily recommend, but it's an alternative where you could guarantee then that your uh, cryptos are safe in a what's called a, a a hard storage wallet or a cold storage wallet. I myself. I'm perfectly comfortable with the the uh, services I use to buy and sell crypto. Uh, one of them might be Coinbase, and 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 I I don't use a hard wallet actually. I use I use my brokerage firms. Okay. All right. Well, thanks. If for you do your research, you're good. And Coinbase is a good place. Yeah. Well, all right. So that was the first thing I think that people probably saw early this week and yesterday, and and maybe even today is what's going on with Coinbase. The second big story this week was with this thing called uh, a stable coin, a particular one that seemed to have problems is Luna stablecoin, ticker symbol UST, I believe. Yeah. Um, can you decode what was going on there and what happened and what, why it's important to readers? Sure. And a stable coin, just to mention, is a coin that is fixed to a particular asset. So in this case, UST is supposed to always be worth $1. It is fixed to the price of a dollar. And there are stable coins for other currencies or for gold or for whatever. But uh, UST in particular uh, is, is fixed to the dollar. Now there's another stable coin, Tether, as an example, which people may have heard of, which is also fixed to the dollar. Now, this, this again reminds me of 2008. There was um, a money market fund. If I remember correctly, it was the Reserve Money Market Fund or Reserve Mutual, something like that. And suddenly it wasn't worth a dollar anymore. It was worth 90 cents or 95 cents. Yeah. And this began or this created some of the panic around the markets in 2008. And a similar thing is happening now, which is that UST suddenly wasn't worth a dollar. It was worth 60 cents, then it was worth 95 cents, then it was worth 40 cents, then it was worth 80 cents. And as we speak, uh, Terra Luna or Terra, which is responsible for UST, is still trying to figure out how to get this back to a dollar. Whether they succeed or not is looking more and more doubt doubtful, but we'll see. But here's the problem. The best way to keep a, a, a stable coin fixed to its underlying asset, in this case, a dollar, is to have dollars, is to have $1 in the bank for every dollar of, for every coin you have, so that mm -hmm. it's completely backed by the asset that uh, it represents. So 
But the problem was Terra was buying Bitcoin and other coins uh, to to fix the price of its stable coin. And it also had an out al an algorithm where it would burn off some of its own coin called Luna or it would um, buy Luna uh, in, in some cases if if the if the if the stable coin became what's called depegged, if it wasn't worth a dollar anymore. So this algorithmic way of pegging works usually until it doesn't work, which is what happened in this case. I mean, USD has been depegged de before and it fixed itself. But now with all the fear in the markets, everybody panicked and USD was not able to fix itself. As a counterexample, Tether, which is also fixed to the dollar, it's a stable coin for the dollar. They keep uh, every every dollar of tether that exists. They keep dollars in reserve, actual dollars in reserve to back the stable coin. The reason for stable coins is so that you could trade um, your Bitcoin for dollars or your Ethereum for dollars on DeFi exchanges without having to take the money out and put them into the bank. So. Oh, okay. so yeah, so you want stable coins so that you have they trade just like Bitcoin or other cryptocurrencies, so you don't have to leave the ecosystem of a crypto exchange. So stable coins play an important role in the trading of these currencies. But to really have a, a stable stable coin, it needs to be backed. You know, there might be an algorithmic way to do it, but the best way to do it is to just simply have the asset on hand so you could. So nobody ever has to worry like, oh, they're going to run out of dollars. If, every, if everybody pulls out of the stable coin, they have enough dollars to pay everyone. But right. with the Bitcoin price going down and with part of uh, the backing here in Bitcoin and other crypto, it became it became uh, like a death spiral down, unfortunately. But yeah. other stable coins, like the most popular one is Tether, have do not have this worry. So where where does this go from here for this particular coin, Terra Luna and USD? Well, look, coins like Terra Luna um, are an amazing type of coin in that eventually as more, regardless of, of what direction this goes 10 years, 20 years out, eventually the world is moving to a world of digital assets. This has been happening ever since the beginning of the internet. More and more assets are becoming digital. More of your, you, you go, you know, when you go to your bank account, you go online and it's essentially, you're looking at your information digitally. Uh, uh, many things are become, are since the, again, since the internet are becoming digital. So as currencies become digital in one way or the other, uh, we need uh, ways to trade digital currencies. And Luna, Terra Luna was a, a great crypto de decentralized finance exchange for trading currencies, which is a multi-trillion dollar opportunity. And that's why Luna was performing so well, actually, compared to even Bitcoin, except for this past week, unfortunately. So I don't know how this plays out. It's not looking so good for Terra Luna, but these types of opportunities are going to be thousand X opportunities, which is why you know, there's going to be zeros, maybe Luna will be one, but these types of opportunities will exist, do exist, will have thousand X returns. But if you're going for a, a thousand times return, if you're trying to make a thousand times your money instead of 10% of your money, 
you're going to have some zeros, which is why diversification is important. We discuss this a lot in our articles and on our weekly phone calls with subscribers. And, you know, this this happens. These are the risks that happen. But with with risks and, and with diversification and with good research, there's a, a lot of opportunities out there for, you know, systems like this that will work, that will return a thousand times their money. Is this critical to the crypto ecosystem? No, zero. And but of course, it's in the news, it's headlines, it's contributing to a lot of the panic and, and fear that's happening. And that will go away, of course, as it always has done before. And I mean, if you look at crypto's rise and fall before, we've seen stable coins collapse before. We saw Mt. Gox shut down, which was a huge crypto exchange. We saw BitConnect go down, which was another big part of the crypto ecosystem. And each time people would say, oh my gosh, this is the end of crypto. But it couldn't be further from the truth. You know, every year there's another 20 to 100% gain in users of just Bitcoin. There's, there's 300 million crypto users right now. There's, there's 170 million crypto wallets, I believe, just in the U.S., or Bitcoin wallet specifically. And so, you know, there's a lot of reasons we could talk about this, but there's a lot of reasons why, you know, these events that we're worried about, the Coinbase thing is a non-event because that's not even true what the articles are saying. But right. the Luna thing is worth, you know, the, 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 the Terra Luna and this stable coin thing, it's worth talking about like how this affects the crypto ecosystem. But we've seen this before and we've seen that it does not affect at all the ecosystem. But of course, people are scared. They're not scared just because of crypto, by the way. They're scared because of the Federal Reserve, yeah. uh, you know, threatening inflation. They're scared because of the war, because of many things are affecting the overall markets. Yeah. And that's uh, I definitely want to talk about the opportunities that you see in crypto going forward. But that point that you just made about the Fed and the wars and inflation and things that we haven't seen in a long time here in the U.S. Uh, is is the third thing I want to discuss. And like it. It's not just the crypto market. It's not just specifically one crypto or one crypto company. Um, every market's in, in turmoil. The NASDAQ's down 25% from, from its highs. Bonds are down 17%. So can you give us kind of like your macro view on why that's specifically happening right now, James? Yeah. I mean, look, in 2020, the Federal Reserve, because it was worried about the state of the economy in the COVID pandemic, they printed up trillions of dollars. You know, 40% of all the money that has existed in the history of mankind has been created in the past two years because the Federal Reserve basically flooded the economy with money so that people wouldn't, you know, they, they bailed out big banks, they bailed out big companies. Hopefully this came to individuals as well. And then some of that money, of course, ended up in bank accounts and in the stock market and in the crypto markets and in the real estate market. So it kept the, the, the economy afloat while everybody stayed at home and all businesses were shut down. So that whether, whether that was a good thing or not, we, we don't know. We can only speculate. But right now with inflation concerns, and by the way, there's two kinds of inflation. I'll just really say, there's the kind of inflation caused by supply shocks. So when when Russia and Ukraine are at war, you know, Russian oil doesn't get to the market, so the price of oil goes up. So it so the price of gas inflates. When Russia and Ukraine are at war, 
you know, they make a lot of, between the two countries, they grow a lot of the wheat that we use in the world. So if you eat pasta, you might be using wheat grown in Ukraine or Russia. Well, this has been cut off right now. So price of food goes up. A lot of food is wheat-based. Uh, if you if you buy computers, well, computers get a lot of parts from China and China has had problems getting goods over to the US. So the price of computers. So these are all supply chain kind of based inflation and supply chain inflation ends eventually. Either the supplies come back to the market or we find a new way of doing things. That's throughout the entire period of economic history, supply chain shocks always get solved. Now, the other kind of inflation is the one that the Federal Reserve is worried about, which is monetary inflation. If there's too much money out there, then it, then basically, you know, everybody, there's free and easy dollars. Like if you double the amount of dollars, then everything should, should drop in price by 50%. So if there were $100 before and now you give everybody $200, then the price of a hamburger should go from like $2 to $1 just because it stays equivalent with the number of, of dollars out there. That's a rough explanation of monetary inflation. So the way the Federal Reserve has to fight monetary inflation is instead of putting more money into the market, they take money out of the market. And the Federal Reserve has many ways of doing this, but one way is they sell treasury bonds. People have to take money out of the bank or, or big institutions take money out of the bank to buy the treasury bonds. And so there's less money in the banks, less money for banks to lend out and less money in the economy. That's, that's one method. So the Federal Reserve, all they've done is they've said they're going to reduce the money supply. By the way, this day, as we speak, the, the supply of money in the world is the highest it's ever been in history. Today, this moment, and one minute from now, it will even be higher. Mm -hmm. And so the Federal Reserve has actually done nothing to reduce the monetary supply, but they said they would. Mm -hmm. Now, if you're a chess player, there's a, a famous saying, the threat is often stronger than the execution. People get scared when you threaten something. And the Federal Reserve has threatened to reduce the amount of money in, in the money supply. And I think the Federal Reserve is very smart in doing this because, the, again, the threat is stronger than the execution. What has happened since the Federal Reserve last week threatened to reduce the money supply? Well, stocks have gone down, straight down every single day, almost every minute. Crypto's gone straight down. Real estate's probably gone down. It's scary. They haven't reduced the money supply. They've just threatened to. And I think this was actually a smart strategy for them. I think this is their way of reducing inflation without actually having to reduce the money supply that much. Because what they're in effect doing is reducing the amount of money in the system by reducing people's wealth. People are more invested in the stock market now than ever before in history. One of every $4 that every person has is in the stock market, which is the highest it's ever been, the highest ratio it's ever been. When the stock market anticipates threatening actions by the Fed, that reduces the amount of wealth in the world and in the country. And essentially it reduces inflation for free. So the Federal Reserve might not have to do anything. And so that's what we're seeing right now is that prices are going, we even saw this in the latest inflation report, that inflation decelerated 
in part because of this fear of inflation. And that's what's happening right now is that my guess is inflation is being reduced pretty heavily without having to reduce the monetary supply because of all this panic. So everyone is panicking and the stock market's falling and eventually it will stop when either inflation is down enough or when people realize, oh, the Federal Reserve no longer has to do as much to fight inflation and the market turns out to be fairly valued here and things calm down. But until things calm down, and it might be today, it might be tomorrow, it might be next week, who knows? It's not just that the markets and real estate and gold and crypto go down, is they're going down because of fear. Right. There's no reason to suspect that both Exxon and Microsoft should be worth 10% less today than they were a week ago. The companies have nothing to do with each other. They, they are pretty stable companies regardless of the economy. And we're seeing this across the whole markets, that companies that have nothing to even do with the economy are falling because people are pulling money out of their mutual funds and out of the exchange traded funds. So those mutual funds have to sell all the stocks. And so everything goes down. And same thing for, for crypto. And you know people are getting margin calls. So that makes stocks sell more. That makes crypto sell more. So this is just an ongoing thing until it stops or until the Fed give some hope or until people realize, oh, this is, we, we've gone too far. This, things are too cheap. And, you know, like for instance, Coinbase might be, maybe it went down. I'm not saying Coinbase is a recommendation, but you would look at Coinbase and say, did this irrationally go down too much? And pretty soon most stocks will be irrationally down too much and smart investors will start scooping them up. They already are, but more and more of them will. And that's how something like this stops or the Federal Reserve makes a statement. But we should remember again, with crypto, we have seen this before. We, we saw crypto go from one to 30, and then back down to four. We saw crypto go from four to 250, then back down to 80. We saw crypto go from 80 to 1200, then back down to 250. And then Doug, you and I saw this in 2017 and 2018, it went up to 20,000. Then it went down to four, March, 2020, it was down to 4,000. Yeah. Then it went up to, I don't know, 68,000 or so. Now it's down, but here's the difference now. As opposed to 2018, where there are almost zero users of Bitcoin, there's 300 million users of cryptocurrencies. There's billions of dollars in transactions a day. Like this is a real thing. And if I can, just a reminder of the reasons why people say, oh, well, why, why do we need crypto? We have the dollar. What do we need Bitcoin for? Can I just remind people again, like, a few of the basic tenets of why something like Bitcoin and digital currencies are important. I have to say, Airbnb has changed my life. I just love staying in Airbnbs. Like in about a month, I'm going to Cocoa Beach, which is right next to Cape Canaveral. I'm going to watch some rocket launches. I'm going to, of course, be staying in a very nice Airbnb on the beach. And it's just such a great experience. Like the whole world is available to us now because of Airbnb. But whenever I'm at an Airbnb, I always realize, you know, I the home that I left to come to this Airbnb, I could be making money on that right now by hosting... And, and being an Airbnb myself. 
So, and I've known people, I had a friend who basically, you know, made a living from turning his home into an Airbnb. So if you have a home, but you're not always at home, you do have an Airbnb there and it's an e- it can easily fit into your lifestyle and it's a great way to earn some money. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. I remember last year I was asked to go speak at the Norway Business Summit and I was so excited because side by side with the Business Summit was the Norway Chess Summit where I would get to see in person Magnus Carlsen, the best chess player ever, playing chess. But it was four plane rides like to get to the city that ultimately I would go to. So I really did not want to fly for 14 hours and they they were willing to pay for everything for me. So I, I, at first class. So I didn't want to fly for 14 hours and not be first class. So I had to hurry up and get on the phone immediately to get those first class tickets to a chess tournament in Norway. And listen, this is just like when, you know, you have to know when you want the best of anything, you have to act quickly or someone else will get it instead. And I did not want those seats to fill up. So it's like if you're hiring for your business, you want to find the most talented people for your open roles before the competition scoops them up. I just was talking to a friend this morning where he was trying to decide between some programmers and he waited a little too long and both the programmers he was interviewing took other jobs, like great jobs. So, you know, what's the best way then to hire the best as quickly as possible? ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter finds qualified candidates fast. And right now you could try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash James. Just try it and see, you'll, you'll find out. So ZipRecruiter's powerful matching technology takes center stage to identify the top talent for your roles. Immediately after you post your job, ZipRecruiter's smart technology starts showing you qualified people for it. And I know this because one time I signed up as an employee, potential employee on ZipRecruiter and I got nonstop, really, I was, even though obviously I wasn't looking for a job, I love what I do, but I just wanted to see what would happen because they were a, a, a sponsor of my podcast and the most interesting jobs would pop up in my emails like, hey, you're qualified for this or that. And so it's interesting to see. So just just go there and try it. Try ZipRecruiter.com slash James. Amp up your hiring performance. Now, this is more for if you're hiring, but amp up your hiring performance with ZipRecruiter and find the best fast. See why four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Just go to this exclusive web address right now to try ZipRecruiter for free. ZipRecruiter.com slash James. Again, that's ZipRecruiter.com slash James. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Discover why critics are calling Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, the best film of the franchise. What a wonderful day! It's a jaw-dropping spectacle that demands to be seen on the biggest screen possible. I need to go. Hang on. It is our time. 
Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Now playing only in theaters. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. I just want to put an exclamation point on one of the things you just said, if I could, and then you can talk about the, the tenants of Bitcoin. Um, you know, all these things that we see in the news today about negative comments on Bitcoin and cryptocurrency in general and how it's worthless and so on, you know, it has an effect on our psyche. And, you know, this is, yeah. not, the, is not the first time I'm going to pull, I'm going to share my screen here. This is not the first time that people have predicted the demise of, of Bitcoin. Now, I'm going to use Bitcoin as a placeholder for cryptocurrencies in general, but these, this is a website, I think you'll love this, James, a website that has documented every single time there was a negative comment or claiming that Bitcoin was dead. And from what I can see, there are 448 of these. And this goes all the way back to before 2012. Bitcoin sees the Grim Reaper. Uh, Bitcoin is the joke. Um, we need to consider the distinct possibility that Bitcoin is dying. This is all in 2014. I don't know what's trading back in 2015, a couple hundred dollars maybe. Yeah, it even, says right there, $236. Oh yeah, there it is right there. So like $337, Bitcoin will bite the dust. You know, a, a claim like that with no time on that, maybe it will uh, 50 years or 100 years or whatever the time period is. But at 337, they were pretty wrong. And, and look, I mean, these... These types of comments happen both in these, you know, bull markets here and in bear markets. It doesn't, it doesn't really matter. Look at this. As it's climbing up to 60,000, we had people saying you're buying obsolescence, like Bitcoin's obsolete. You well, know, I, and I think there's two reasons you see those headlines. I think people who who first off, we'll get to this, but there's always opportunity in crypto, particularly right now. But I think a lot of times you see people who feel they've missed out. They want to say that it's that there's a reason. They want to rationalize why they missed out, particularly financial professionals. Um, they might say, oh, crypto's no good because I didn't buy it. So right. it must be no good. But um, a lot of times it's a little bit more malicious. Like in 2018, 2019, Jamie Dimon, the CEO of Chase, kept saying, oh, crypto's a fraud. Crypto's going nowhere. By the way, he was buying crypto then. Uh, uh, Goldman Sachs kept saying, Crypto's useless, crypto's this, crypto. By the way, Goldman Sachs was buying billions of dollars worth of crypto. So sometimes they, they say that until they have their position and then they stop saying that. Right. But but yeah, I mean well, look, uh, I just want to make one other last point, James. Like when these when when an investment goes from twelve hundred dollars down to two hundred dollars, is what 85% drop. That is really hard to say, nope, I'm still right. When everyone's telling you you're wrong, everyone. No one's, it, it, it's going to zero and it, it's easy to feel that. Or when it goes yeah. from uh, 20,000 down to 4,000, like you said, there's another 80% drop or so. And and it, it, look, I mean, we're down 55, 60% in this, from the highs of 67,000 down to where we are now, just ballparking. Um, so it feels really bad. And, 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 and Bitcoin is like a, a placeholder for all cryptocurrencies. A lot of them are down. I think what I'd like to get across and have you talk about now, make sure that people understand is like the value that is placed on it in a market where people are selling everything or a lot of things indiscriminately because they need the cash or they're fearful for other parts of their life. I'd like to like re 
like for you to hammer home like what you see coming in the crypto market in the months and years ahead because there's some really exciting things on the horizon here. Yeah, and look, I'm not even trying to promote crypto or anything here. Uh, I'm not trying to be overly optimistic. I, I also feel the fear that everyone else fears. And so I just, but I go back to the basics that I've always been going back to. First off, every industry in existence evolves over time. So you look at like medicine, which is an incredible healthcare, an incredibly important industry. It evolves in the same way that money will evolve as well. First, there's a belief that, you know, God or priests or shamans or whatever will cure your ills. Like, oh, if we do this ceremony, I'll stop being sick. And then, of course, there's a belief in human doctors. Oh, let me just hit your knee and you take two aspirin and you'll feel better. And then it always evolves to data. Now, you know, you get genetic testing, you get CAT scans, AI reads the CAT scans, you get x-rays, it's all moves to data-based diagnosis. And you could see this in every industry, what's happening. But let, let's talk about it with money. Like in money, uh, of course, you would have coins or paper printed with your lead, with Julius Caesar on the front. So, or, or with, you know, in God we trust on the front so that, you know, you, you have some belief system that backs your money. Like, oh, if you believe in America, you'll believe in the dollar. But eventually, and even the Federal Reserve realizes this. I mean, they're looking at digital currencies every single day now. There's a big experiment happening with MIT where the Federal Reserve is, is looking at a crypto style stable coins. But here's, here's the main issue. Bitcoin solves a lot of problems that gold attempted to solve. Gold attempted to say, look, if your country if you if you can't trust your country or if you can't trust your country's currency, then hey, gold is all over the world. Buy some gold and you're safe. So it became what's called a store of value. But you know, if someone's got a gun to your head and says, "Give me your gold," you just have to hand over your gold. Gold and 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 gold. The other problem with gold is we don't know how much gold is in the world. Like there might be a lot of gold that hasn't been mined yet, and that will significantly change the value of gold. So there's there's problems with gold. There's problems you know, transferring gold across national borders, for instance, it's not really legal for, for one thing, but, you know, so, so Bitcoin solves an incredibly important problem, which we've seen the past two years, which is you always want to do business with someone you trust, and you always want to do business in a currency you trust. If I said to you, Doug, Doug, um, I'm happy to pay you some money, but listen, can you take it in rubles today instead of dollars? What are you going to say? Uh, probably not. No, thank you. <laughs> right. We don't trust the ruble. And, mm -hmm. and so the question is, do we trust the dollar? Now, the dollar is the most trustworthy currency on the planet by far. But heck, like I said earlier, they, a bunch of people privately decided two years ago to print up trillions and trillions of dollars of, of to literally just print up trillions of dollars. And that affected, without you having any say in the decision, that affected the value of the dollars that you have in your pocket right now. And so on the, on the one hand, I don't trust the dollar for that. And if you're, uh, if you're another country that's pegged to the dollar, you trust it even less. If you're borrowing money in dollars, but you're El Salvador, for instance, you trust the dollar even less. So you want to find a way 
to have a currency that everybody in the world can trust and without any issues. There's nobody, there's no way for somebody to make an economic decision that is that is secret that will ruin the value of, you know, like Argentina. They, they will literally just, and they've done this, they've gone into people's bank accounts, taken 50% of the money and said, hey, don't worry, we'll pay you back in five years. Well, I wouldn't trust the Argentinian peso after that. And no one has, which is why there's a huge black market of dollars. And so that's why everyone sort of figured, okay, well, gold is a hedge against this trust, but gold isn't really for the reasons I just said, and gold's never really been correlated to inflation the way people think. But even like the Winklevoss twins who are heavy early backers of Bitcoin and Kathy Wood from ARK, they both have said that if Bitcoin simply replaces gold as a store of value, then the price of Bitcoin is a half a million dollars a coin, which by the way, makes Ethereum and everything else much, much higher percentage-wise than, than Bitcoin would, would be. So the first most important thing is that Bitcoin, there's no centralized control that would change the value of your money in ways that you don't like. With Bitcoin, as opposed to the dollar, with the dollar, there's no way to keep track of on a daily basis how much currency there is. There's no way of keeping track of monetary policy. There's no way of preventing extreme behavior like the behavior I described in Argentina, which also happened, by the way, in Canada when they froze all the assets of the trucker protests uh, and so on. So you want a currency you could trust that no central authority is going to take the money out of your pocket. And even we see now, it's not like the world is against Bitcoin. The U.S. loves Bitcoin because how would we have been able to fund the Ukraine? Ukraine has gotten hundreds of millions of dollars of donations from the U.S. in Bitcoin. Activists in, in authoritarian regimes all over the world get their donations in crypto because they can't get it in their local currency because then it would be tracked and, and they would get caught. And so even from that, crypto has an essential role as a, as a global currency. And the U.S. realizes that. Second thing is Bitcoin. There's, if I send you money, if you're in Korea and I'm in the U.S., I could send you money and there's no intermediaries. I could send you money directly as opposed to six intermediaries charging fees. Six in intermediaries, you know, you, my bank, my reserve bank, the Federal Reserve, the SWIFT system, your reserve bank, your local bank. All those intermediaries could make a mistake. They all charge fees. They all invade your privacy. They can see what you're doing. So it takes a lot of time. And it takes a lot of time. It takes at least 24 to 72 hours in some cases, maybe even more. Maybe it gets lost because of paperwork, which has happened to me before. Like it's a very frustrating, stressful thing. With crypto, it happens instantly. There's no intermediaries. There's no extra layers of fees. It's very clear what happens. I'm completely aware when you get your money. I'm completely aware when I send the money. So payments across borders become trivial. Similarly, you don't have to worry about a credit card company making a mistake or a credit card hidden fees in credit card company transactions. You don't have to worry about you know, your bank going out of business or the credit card company going out of business. Everyone gets paid. You could trust it. There's no, the supply of Bitcoin is only going to be 21 million coins in history. It's never going to inflate. Uh, the, the, the economic policy of Bitcoin is, is, this doesn't mean dollars are going away, but it does mean, and we already see this, you, you see this more in foreign countries where they trust their currencies even less. But now people are starting to not trust the dollar. Like 
people don't necessarily want to pay for oil in dollars. Maybe they're going to figure out some other way. Maybe they're even going to do it in Bitcoin. We don't know. But digital assets, and in particular, Bitcoin is here to stay. There's 300 million users. El Salvador is accepting it as legal tender. Other countries are starting to accept it. Even the U.S. Has, has, has made use of Bitcoin. Credit card companies are accepting it. Payment systems like PayPal are going to start accepting it. Fidelity is offering the option for its 21 million 401k customers to buy Bitcoin as part of a 401k. Nothing. That's going to be a huge, massive educational event for about yeah. Bitcoin to 21 million new users of Bitcoin. And so then you look at Ethereum. Ethereum builds all of the projects on top of Bitcoin. Well, what do I mean by projects? Well, this past year alone, something like $100 billion, $100 billion has been invested in venture capital funds to in turn invest in companies that are building applications and projects and programs that are crypto-based. Are you talking about things like decentralized finance or DeFi projects? Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, or even even more closer to real-world use cases. Let's take a simple real-world use case, which I've I've talked about or, or written a little about before. But uh, the New York Knicks, the basketball team, sells you a ticket, and let's say you sell they sell you a ticket for hundred dollars. You sell it to me for two hundred, and I sell it to a scalper for five hundred, and the scalper sells it to someone for a thousand. Now. The New York Knicks only made money on that first transaction to you for $100. But there's projects happening now with crypto where all ticketing will change so that the New York Knicks will get a royalty every secondary transaction that happens. So the whole ecosystem of scalping, that will become a real transactional ecosystem and not illegal and underground like, like it is now. And, and that seems like a trivial use case, but the amount there's tickets for not only sports venues, but entertainment venues for restaurants, for, for, for enormous, for airplanes, for enormous use cases. Uh, everything that requires verified access is perfect in a cryptocurrency environment. So like a paywall to the New York Times or a subscription to a magazine or uh, uh, medical care. If, I, if you're a doctor and you want to have access to my medical care, well, right now it's a big mess of all these systems that, can't, that are stapled together in this very unwieldy, insecure way. Well, there are applications being built right now to make this all uniform via the use of crypto. Your real estate uh, deed, the deed to your house, that should be crypto. It shouldn't be something that could be forged or fake. That's why you have to buy title insurance because it's so easy to fake a title and forge it. And that's happened. So there's all these trillions of dollars of use cases of crypto that are being in, built right now and invested in right now. Um, now, let's take a look at the internet. Inter the internet's been around since the 70s. The web was invented in 1991 by Tim Berners-Lee. But even in 2001, 10 years later, 2002, 2003, people were saying, oh, this internet thing's a fad. I would never put my credit card number on an e-commerce website. That's ridiculous. Well, obviously that changed. When did it change? It changed mostly, I would say in 2005, when the internet went, when the web went over a billion users. Now, crypto right now has about 300 million users. 
I would say later this year, early next year, 2024 at the latest, there's going to be a billion crypto users. And then you're going to really see it go over the top. So that's why you have people like Kathy Wood predict, uh, I think she predicts a, a more than, I think she predicted a $5 million price for every Bitcoin. This is Kathy Wood, who invests billions and billions of dollars. And she predicts a price of about 180000 for Ethereum over the next few years, which I think might be conservative since most of the applications being built on top of crypto are being done with Ethereum. Plus, Ethereum has something happening called Ethereum 2.0, which is supposed to happen later this year, which is going to drastically reduce the supply and increase the demand at the same time. We all know from economics, reducing the supply and increasing the demand means price goes up. So that's happening with Ethereum. And I mean, we're just hitting the, the, the tip of the iceberg. I really just wanted to kind of address the panic in the markets. And, and, and there's a short-term view, which is that, hey, this has happened before and it's painful and I get it. I'm in pain myself. I'm an owner of crypto assets, but I know to sit through this pain until, because eventually it ends, as it always has, for instance, with the stock market and how it did. I was sitting on all these internet stocks in 2001. Eventually, they went back to all-time highs. And you know, it's the same thing now with crypto. And then there's the long-term, which is why I spoke about the basic fundamentals of first Bitcoin, but cryptocurrencies in general, some of the things I see in the future. Long-term, this is an unbelievable opportunity. Most of the smaller altcoins will probably go to zero, but there are going to be a few that rise up even higher than Bitcoin or Ethereum ever even hoped to. And those are the opportunities to, to keep on looking for. Yeah, James, I appreciate you uh, taking the time and going through all that. You know, the, you know, people say that there's no use to Bitcoin and, and, and there's no use case for Bitcoin. And I take a slightly different view and not that I'm an expert or anything, but it, it was the first case. It was the first foray into something, hey, will this test work? And it proved to work. And now what we're seeing is this, this second generation of cryptocurrencies that are happening all over the place that you do a really good job, really good job explaining what these second generation cryptos actually do for people and how it's going to transform every aspect of our lives. I, I completely believe that. And I think you're going to have um, two groups of people. There's a group of people who are like crypto, I don't understand it, or I can't touch it, I can't feel it, I can't see what it does for me, so therefore I'm going to dismiss it. And then people are like, hey, I see an opportunity here. And I think if you're on this call, you're probably in that second group. And so what I want to do uh, for you today is offer a special opportunity to James's early stage crypto investor service. Now, that service We've sold, um, boy, we probably have close to 1,500 subscribers. It's a small group, but they're very responsive. A lot of them on this call right now. We are going to give a discount today for the next three days of $500 off the price for $1,495. Um, so I think what people have to do at this point is decide, like myself, am I going to miss another opportunity? I had an opportunity in 2011, um, someone I trusted. I believed in, but I didn't understand Bitcoin. He's telling me about these story about people mining money on their computers, and I didn't get it, and I missed out. Um, I fully believe this is a second opportunity uh, for, for people who missed out on that first time around. So 
you have two options. You can decide that James and his research is just not for you. It's not the right opportunity. It's not the right time. It's too volatile. And that's completely okay. It's not your cup of tea. Or you say, on the other hand, James, I want you and your research team to do all the legwork for me and teach me what's going on with these coins. Look into the projects and make sure that I'm getting into the ones that could have the opportunity to, as you say, James, go up higher than Bitcoin and Ethereum. So the, there are a couple of choices here. You know, I know what I was doing this morning when I looked at my cryptocurrency account, I was buying. I, I bought coins that um, were beaten down. And I think it's, you know, this is an opportunity that it's really hard. It's really hard to take that and say, I'm going to set aside everything that I'm seeing and I'm going to buy when there's blood in the streets because it's Warren Buffett, right? Uh, or uh, yeah, buy when there's blood in the streets. So the, the question is, where are you? Do you want to try and get in on that next phase of cryptocurrencies at a very favorable price point? And if you do, we're going to extend that special offer to you. There should be a link right below this video. You have to click it. You can see the whole presentation that James did uh, to explain uh, these cryptocurrencies and, and how important they're going to be to the future of America and the global economy. So, uh, James, again, I just wanted to thank you for, for doing this. Do you, any wrapping, uh, any final comments that you want to make to wrap up this call? Yeah, I just want to mention that in these times of great irrational selling, and they're very rare, by the way, they haven't happened. This, this specific event, I feel like it hasn't happened. It happened in March, 2020. And before that was like 2008, 2009. And I've been through a few of these cycles. So like in 2001 and 2002, for instance, there were stocks that were beaten down so much irrationally, they were trading, they were profitable and they were trading below the amount of cash they had in the bank. So you could have bought the entire company and then liquidated it and then just took money out of the bank and made money. It was ridiculous. In 2008, you had companies that were beaten down so much, they were, they were paying like 30% dividend yields and also trading below cash. In 2020, oil, remember oil was trading for negative prices, which yeah. was ridiculous. Was like nuts. so many people, I'm frustrated because my wife made money and I didn't listen to her <laughs> and because she was buying USO, the oil ETF. And now we're seeing it again and we're seeing it in, in crypto. This is a very, it's scary but I see these opportunities. And so it's, it's exciting as well, but I, I get it. It's, it's a scary time and it's hard to buy when you look at your bank account and you look at, at everybody, all the headlines and you look at everyone panicking, but this is really a good time to at least do the research. Yeah. And I think too, I mean, one of the big features and one of the most popular features of the service, aside from the picks and the recommendations and stuff that James and his team make are we have a weekly call every Monday, two o'clock, uh, Eastern time. And we just talk about the crypto markets. You get to ask questions and things like that. It's a very heavily trafficked time. We do it every single week. And if you subscribe today, you will not only get a $500 discount, but you'll be in in time for Monday's next call. And we can talk about the crypto market some more and answer your questions. So uh, thank Absolutely. you all for attending. James, thanks for uh, your time today. Really appreciate you hopping on a, an emergency crypto summit. summit. So um, thanks again. And we will talk on Monday. Thanks, Doug. All right, thank you.